church right there on that song. I appreciate you, Chris. I told y'all I love that song. That got me through a whole lot of stuff. And uh, anytime I hear it, like I was in my zone. I was deep in my zone back there. I was like, grr. And you start playing that and it just all went somewhere else. So I appreciate you. I sure do appreciate you. Had me tearing up a little bit. So, uh, good morning. Pass them, pass them around. I'll come around the outside and come grab the rest. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'll come around. So, uh, oh, did I give you enough? You got some more? Yeah. Okay, cool. Got enough? You good? Everybody good? Got one? Okay, good. So, there was a, an old atheist and an old church mother. And the atheist had been for a long time trying to convince this old church mother that God didn't exist. There was no God. There was no eternal anything. So that old atheist took that mother out and said, I got you, Adam. I know what to do now. I know what to do. Did you get one too? Okay. I know what to do. I'm going to take you out here, and I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to show you this water. I'm going to tell you that based on the location and time of year that we were in, it is impossible it is impossible that Moses stood at the Red Sea, raised his arms, and the water parted. He said, in fact, if you look at the place where the children of Israel would have likely crossed, everybody have a copy? Everybody got a copy? Look at the place where the children of Israel would have likely crossed the water. That point is no more than ankle deep. At that, that old mother went to shout, uh, you haven't been here before, I do tend to use a bit of colloquial language. Winter, W-E-N apostrophe T-U-H, is began doing vigorously. <laughs> Went to shouting. And the atheist was confused. He said, what in the world's going on? Woman, didn't you hear what I just said? The water was no more than ankle deep. And that old mother went to shouting even harder. He was confused. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute, why? Why are you shouting? I just told you that the water was only ankle deep. That old mother said, I'm shouting because I serve a God who can drown an entire army in water that's only ankle deep. It's all about perspective. All about perspective. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. It's going to be a wonderful day. Already started out. We got sunshine this week, and nobody had to had to float here. We thank you for the goodness, the teaching that has led up to this day. This has not been something that has been prepared for in this moment. This is something that has been long time coming, and we've all been working diligently to it. For those who are new to the environment, we thank you for bringing them to us. Thank you for letting them experience the joy that comes out of this body. We know that we have something going on because you are in what we have going on. We know that we are capable of more because, well, you gave it to us to create more. Bless this teaching today. Let it go out there. Help someone. 
And those who have a little bit of an aversion to it, they don't want to, they're unsure, they're struggling, they're embarrassed, they have some shame, abolish all of that, cast it into the deepest, hottest portion of hell so that it will never return to them. And they know that they are indeed built to be great. And it is in Jesus' name we ask and pray all things. Amen. So I went to business school, went to, got this MBA thing, and there's this guy there, his name's Sandy Leeds. He said a few things, most of which in class I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to, which is a problem because he actually taught first finance class, and well, I ended up getting a finance degree. But that's a whole other subject. Most of the important things that I remember from Sandy Leeds did not actually pertain to finance. And one of those things was about giving presentations and having conversations. He said that you know you've been to an MBA program when you can't have a conversation anymore without PowerPoint. Now, those of you who have sat through these know that I enjoy making my PowerPoints and I hope they add something to the conversation, but I don't know if y'all noticed, something is missing. Usually kind of comes right in here, don't have a screen, but that's okay. Pastor Owen was good enough to print out copies. So what you have in your hand is a printout of my presentation uh, that I was planning on using today. If you notice, there is a very large speaker on the second slide. There's a video in there, uh, which kind of creates a problem when you don't have a screen, but that's okay. Uh, in the online version, the video's embedded, so it, you can see it there. And if you have any issues, I will actually go out and post it in the group. So all you gotta do is join the group, see, watch the video. It's a minute and 30 seconds, uh, so it's not gonna take up your whole day, but it will address the perspective issue. Now, as always, taking a look there at the third slide on the page, go therefore make disciples of all the nations. If you've been in church any meaningful amount of time, you have heard this scripture. It's called the Great Commission. And the interesting thing is the entire Bible is built around this one verse. This is what it's supposed to be. The whole story of reconciliation, the entire conversation around Jesus, everything that the apostles did, is built around this one verse. God created all of this stuff that we read in part, in whole, we cut up, we move around, we do this stuff in order that we may be reconciled to him. Whole Bible. That's how it is. That's what it is. And once you get that perspective, you begin to understand that, well, the Bible is a pretty good teaching manual. Even if you don't believe in God. You don't believe me? Here's something that I like messing with the, uh, the Big Bang Theory people about. Okay, science says that at the beginning, boom, a big explosion happened. Now, when an explosion of energy happens, it means that electrons are being moved in a very high rate of speed away from the core of an atom. When they do that, they create light. Now, somewhere around like Genesis 1, it's something like, let there be. So what that electron release created was light. What God said was, let there be. So it sounds to me a whole lot like those scientists are using very finite, very simplified human terms to try to explain something great that God did. And the reason they think God didn't is because they haven't reached the level of understanding that will enable them to understand and see what it is. You don't believe me? That's okay. Keep on coming with me. There's this thing. 
in genetics. People are looking to sequence DNA. Okay? They're going through, they're looking at all these chromosomes, and they're trying to figure out what works here, what works there, what works here, what works there. We've been talking about this stuff in the Bible for years. Years. When we say one is born after the other. It's the exact same thing. They just try to make it sound a little different because they lack the understanding, not because we do. The Bible talks about money a whole lot. You see miraculous giving. You also see very manual, very manual, very simple. Here's, your, here's what you need. Here's your provision, right? You see that. So here's what I started thinking about. And I only started thinking about it because, well, Pastor Sean, said something that uh, I thought needed to be addressed. She said, Cedric, in all respect to you and what you teach, and I'm not trying to contradict you, but let me tell you about my first house purchase. And then she told us about her second house purchase and how they were different. In my little bitty brain, I started laughing. I said, I'm going to get you. But then she did it again. Talked about it again last week. And at that point, I realized I actually had the responsibility to address it because I hadn't said anything to her yet. Because I feel like the reason it came up twice from her is because somebody got stuck on that. So let me help you out. The Bible has a continuum. God does this stuff. On this end, it's manual. Manual. On this end, is miraculous. We move back and forth in our lives between the manual and the miraculous, okay? If you don't do the manual, you need a whole lot of miraculous. If you do the manual, you don't need as much miraculous. So let me walk you through her first home purchase. Miraculous? She didn't take care, that's inappropriate, they didn't take care of their money, they didn't take care of their credit, they didn't take care of all those things that every single home application looks at. So what did they need? When they came to that second house, where was the credit? It was up. Where was the money? It was up. Where were all those things that they looked for? They were in place. So you don't need a miracle because you're doing the manual. Now, last year, January, uh, I think it was 30th, maybe the 29th, 16th. 31st? 31st. That's right, because we did the, you got to finish your homework. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So uh, that too. Oh, yeah, that. Uh, we, 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 we did this thing, right? And I structured up the whole year. Now, when I structured up the whole year, I told you what it was going to be up front. I knew that there were things I wanted to talk about that would not fit into 16 because, well, I kind of needed to build up a foundation. So for some of you who already had the foundation, it was like, ah, I know this, but it's good to hear you. For some of you who have never had that foundation, didn't even have blueprints, didn't even know you needed a foundation to build something, you were like, whoa! You mean I can actually change my credit score if I know the pieces that go into it? Now, part of me structuring 16 meant that things that I wanted to teach there had to get pushed into 17. Last time we did this, January 30th, I gave you a plan. It's there on, I think, slide five. Uh, it showed what we're gonna do this year. Well, part of that was stuff I wanted to teach in 16, but I knew you weren't ready for, right? It wouldn't flow well for those who hadn't been exposed to this. 
it also meant that the stuff I really, 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 really wanted to teach, I couldn't teach this year. I got to push in the 18. So for the record, I've started, I started structuring 2018 and 2016. Now, if you go back to 2016 and you listen to the video, I told you, stay with me. We are going. So this right here is kind of the end of the beginning. Does that make sense? The end of the beginning. We're about to trans transfer ourselves and our thinking into a different phase of this. And this is the part I actually like because I get to do the stuff that I actually like, like, like. Right. And we're going to get into it in, in 18. I will give you a teaser. 2018 will be about creation and investment. Okay. 2016 was about the foundation. 2017 is about composition and activation. 2018 is going to be about investment and creation. What is our second goal? Actually, is it second or is it third? I think it's our second goal this year. Anybody remember? If you keep flipping through the pages, it's on there. 16 businesses. That's right. That's part of activating. You don't have to get it exactly right. But we can, we can work on that. Let's get it right. All right. So on the manual and on the miraculous, we start talking through these money things. And we had some things that we've heard a lot. Budgets. Mm. You know, I don't want budgets. Ain't nobody going to tell me what I do with my money. Oh. Oh. You make your own budget. You tell you what you're going to do with your own money so you don't listen to yourself. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to tell me. So I like church. I don't always like church people. And, I, and if you grew up like I do, or like I did, and like I continue to grow, from the good old missionary Baptist church. Then at some point, you probably, if you got to church at the beginning, I don't always do that. Uh, you probably heard some old deacon. He was probably standing behind that table where he put the offering, but you weren't supposed to touch it. You put your offering, lay it in, you weren't supposed to touch it. Or he had one of them folding chairs, the old metal one, the, that kind of tanny brown, gray-looking thing, and he folded it out about like that, and he always did it like this. You ever notice? He got with two hands. And then he, would get, he did it because he was going to pray on it, right? And long, either right before or right after he prayed, you would hear somebody say something like, God me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim through this barren land. And then everybody would say, So here's what's funny. Here's what's funny. That's about all y'all know. That's about all you know, right? Because at this point, everybody just starts to moan. Ah, so, y'all cut. So come on back to me. Come on back to me. Y'all hilarious. Now, the funny thing about that song is they actually use that song in uh, some of the processions for uh, uh, the English royal. It does not sound anything like that at all. In fact, I encourage you in your spare time, <laughs> go out and look at the, go out and look on YouTube for the song, God Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, and watch 
a video that shows the way they sing it. It sounds nothing like that. In fact, most people don't know the words, but you know how to moan. And we could go down a whole path around that moaning thing. We'll say that for a different time. But the cool thing about that song, I started listening to it one day. I said, what in the world are these people saying? I've been going to church my whole life. I don't know what, what that man's saying. What's saying? So I said, let me go look at the words. And I realized something. Old saints had it together. They didn't have as much education. They didn't have all this frou-frou stuff. But they had their, their, their position relative to God in check. So for all of you who say stuff like, I only listen to the beat, the lyrics are more important than the beat. Because how many times have you found yourself backing something up and all they did was play the beat? I was at a wedding. This is no joke. I was at a wedding. The DJ was chilling. He had his headphones on. He was chilling. He put this Beyonce song, all the single ladies, and they all came marching. They be like, And he's a good DJ. He just had problems mixing, right? And so while they out there, You know how y'all do, right? While they doing all of this, he did this. He turned down the track, a Beyonce song, and he turned up another track, but kept the Beyonce lyrics going. And it was amazing to see what happened. Because the track he turned up, he went, doom, 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 doom. And every woman out there was like, ah! I was like, wait a minute. I was like, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. He's still playing the Beyonce lyrics. Don't tell me that the beat won't change you. They went from talking about putting rings on it to not getting anything on it. What? Don't tell me the lyrics aren't important. So, why in the world are we talking about this? Besides it being funny. So, with that God me, O thou great Jehovah song, if you go and listen or, or read the words, actually read them, you'll find that what they are actually singing about is provision during a journey, right? It is God me as I pilgrim through this barren land, not God me because I want to go. They're already on the journey. If you continue to read, it says things like, let the fiery cloudy pillar lead me on my journey through. <sighs> I'm pretty sure the Bible says something about a fiery, a, a pillar of fire and a cloudy pillar leading the children of Israel through the desert. Pretty sure that's in there. The only way you can get led is if you are on the journey. My favorite part, though, my favorite part, it's in the last stanza. It says, when I tread the verge of Jordan, bid my anxious fears subside. Bear me through the swelling currents. Land me safe. On Canaan's side, holy smokes, what, what, I'm scared. These people are saying, I'm scared. I want what you have for me, but I'm scared. God, give me the power to step in here and go through it. They didn't say, oh, Lord Jesus, just Jesus, take it away. They said, bear me through that swelling current. Land me on Canaan's side. You said it was mine. I'm scared to go get it, but I'm going to go anyway. I need you, Father, to give me the strength to go get it. 
If you look at the 23rd Psalm, talks about walking shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. Interesting thing enough, if you link a couple of scriptures together, you find that God will direct your So it doesn't matter what's not on the path. If it's not on the path, it's not going to mess with you. But as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you ain't got to worry about the valley. You just got to worry about staying on the path. Now, let's be real. Doing all of that stuff is real manual. It's not sexy. People don't give praise reports talking about the pastor. I've been saving $37 a week. No, what do they say? They say, ah! Lord God, he blessed me with a new car. I didn't have anything. It doesn't, the manual does not sound great. It doesn't sound grand. It doesn't sound like God was in it. But the fact of the matter is, if you follow the manual, thank you, ma'am, you will need fewer miracles. It doesn't mean God isn't working in your life. In fact, it means you are following his direction, so he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. Tell me this. Do you need a tutor if you're doing your homework and you're getting good grades? So why in the world would you not do your work and then thank it to God for getting a tutor? You don't need the tutor if you are doing your work and you're seeking out many of the ways. Now, sure, there are some tough things out there. Everybody who went through biology with organic chemistry will tell you, yes, Lord, uh, we do needeth all that thine hath provided. <laughs> but, 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 if you do your work, you need fewer miracles. I'm encouraging you right now. Do your work. This guy, y'all may have heard of him. He dresses funny, he does all this weird stuff. Especially when he's standing in the back of the church, he'd be like, his name is Jimmy Beasley. He talked about practicing. Practicing is awesome. Awesome. Because you get to learn the manual. So you practice until you get it right. And then you continue to practice until you get sick of it. And then what do the coaches do, Rich, when you get sick of it? Yeah, something else. You don't move on until you've mastered it. You don't move on until you've gotten to the point where you're mad. And what is actually happening when you practice is you are learning how to do this, but not at an intellectual basis. They call it muscle memory. It's called as a closed loop neurological connection. Okay? Don't worry about that part. Don't worry about that part. It basically means you react to it. You don't have to think about it. Because here's something interesting. You actually have to think about things. Now, it is possible Guess I can use this example, y'all won't freak out. So, I kind of like firearms, and I go shoot sometimes. Okay, a lot. <laughs> and I, went, I went hunting a couple years ago, and I tried to harvest a hog. So I'm sitting in the blind, it's cold, it's raining, and I'm sitting there. Whew, I got this hog. I pull the trigger, pow. Hog fell to the ground. Based on the location of the shot, science will tell us that the hog was dead before he even felt the bullet go in. That means he felt no pain. He wasn't even aware that he was dying. 
goes nowhere. He just completely lights out. That was it. Before his body even had a chance to react. That means that your skin, when you touch it, there's a delay. When you see something, there's a delay. But when your body knows what it is and you just react, you don't have to have that delay. It just happens. You don't believe me? I, I don't know if y'all know. I think I told y'all, but I, I, yeah, she's been here before. Y'all, y'all seen my mama. She's black. And I grew up in the 70s and the 80s. So, for a long time, I had a chest problem. Real, real long time. And it was like right here. Right? You know why? Because my mama would be driving. And let something come across that road in front of her. The first thing she did before she even hit the brake was, ah! My family actually thought I had asthma a long time. I don't think I had asthma. <laughs> I think I had mama. So what that is, is that, yeah, hit me in the chest, boom, not me. But she was doing that to protect me because in her mind, she wasn't thinking, oh, I need to save my son. Her body knew, oh my God, I need to save my son. It was closed loop. So she didn't have to think about it. Practice seeks to create closed loop processes neurologically so you don't have to think about it. Now, since we're in church, we want to talk about this from a biblical perspective, and I want to make sure that you guys know that, yes, even though I don't sit up here and hoop and holler every week, I just do it when it's fun, uh, I do want you guys to know this stuff is rooted very much in the teachings of God. So when we talk about the manual and doing these things in a closed-loop way, I want you to think about budging. Farmer sets up. Talk about sowing and reaping. Here's a little tip. If you don't keep some of your harvest, you're going to be in trouble when it comes time to sow the next one. You're going to have to borrow it. That means you have to pay interest. And usually, interest means you make less. Unless you're the one doing the lending. Oh, yeah, that whole thing about borrow or being servant and lender. Huh. Ladies and gentlemen, when we practice the manual, Practice the manual. Nature miracles. Some of this stuff I know we're kind of a year and a half almost into this, and it sounds real, real manual. It's not cool. You're like, man, I don't pull my credit report again. I knew we shown it. <laughs> oh, why well, I gotta keep these receipts more? Huh? That's how you know you're mad. Huh? You put the huh at the end. Huh? Who they think they are? I know, but you're almost to the point where it is becoming a closed loop process. And see, here's the cool thing about a closed loop process. Once it happens and you don't have to think about it anymore, all that other noise goes away. Those of you who have started eating clean or eating better, it took a while, you had to jitters because Lord, them Skittles be calling me. Ooh, I love that fettuccine Alfredo. Ooh, my mama gumbo, whatever it is. Ooh, can I get extra honey and butter on my biscuits? Ooh, whatever it is, it took a while to get over it. But once you did, now if you go back and eat that stuff, you feel a little funny, don't you? Tell the truth, you feel fun. I'm gonna tell you, this is horrible, I know. So there's this company called Jack in the Box, y'all may have heard of them. Good Lord Jesus, alive. They got them in Texas. These people, these people fry tacos. And then sell you two of them for 99 cents. Oh Lord. Sweet Jesus. 
Oh, Lord. They also make this thing called a bacon ultimate cheeseburger. Anybody ever seen one of these? Lord Jesus. They, they made a commercial. They made a commercial for the bacon ultimate cheeseburger. I died laughing because I had this actual thought. I, I remember it, it, it was just crazy. They said what was in the cheeseburger. Jack, you know, big Jack. We got bread. We got bacon. We got cheese. We got meat. We got bacon, cheese, meat, and bread. And it was two guys sitting there. One of the guys said, what you need the bread for? I said, ooh, that's me. I love those things. But, but having not lived in Texas for a while, I go back and I try to eat one of them things. I'm done. I can eat that thing at 8 o'clock in the morning. I ain't eating for like three more days. I'm, I'm, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad, right? But because I have taken that out of my normal diet, when I put it back in, it causes me to feel funny. Yeah, Same thing here. With your money, when you start taking things out, and you get over that hoop, you start to feel funny when you kind of put them back in. I'm buying out the bar. Wait a minute, what am I talking about? I'm not buying out the bar. I used to do that. Ugh, I'm going to go over here and save this money. Sue, see if I can buy the whole building. Start thinking differently. We pray things, God, uh, remove the taste uh, of cigarettes. Uh, okay, there's a miracle. But then you keep doing the same things that led you to smoke. See, many of these things are behavioral. You get used to this. So if you talk to people who have stopped smoking after a long time, they actually have to get over the hand-to-mouth thing. So a lot of them will chew peppermint. That's what you do. Gum. Because they're used to doing this. Pipe smokers, people who smoke pipes. It's not necessarily about smoking a pipe. <laughs> you know what it's actually about? It's about fidgeting. Because to keep a pipe bowl going, you have to fidget constantly. So there are people who tend to do this a lot. They do this. So even after they get rid of the pipe, they still need something for their hands to do that's small and compact. Their hands to do. So once you, you have to get rid of that piece. So with our spending, I get it. I get it. I like buying Louis. I like going to the Gucci store and leaving with something. Right? Right? I, I know what fashionable clothes look like. I make fun of myself all the time because I say I don't like the dresses. I just don't care. There are other things I'd rather spend my money on. Because there was this point where I said, man, money ain't everything. Huh. So if I buy that, that's all I get, and it's worth less when I leave. If I buy your company stock, then y'all gonna pay me instead of me paying y'all. Oh. So I started shifting my spending a little bit. So I'm sh shifting where I put that money. It wasn't that I stopped liking it. It's that I shifted my spending, right? Makes sense? It's all about your perspective. So there, I think it's on slide five. Yeah, you got two people looking at this number. So number six, number nine, which one is it? Which one is it? Is it a six or is it a nine? No, it's not. It's only one. It's only one. It's all about your perspective. Because if you stand on this side, it's six. Stand on the other side, it's nine. Who's right? They both are. Or it may be more correct to say neither one of them is wrong. So what I want to point out here, that looked real preacherish right there, did it? You see how I did that? I said, ah. <laughs> so <laughs> Get one of those St. John's robes right there. Oh, man, I don't want to look like that. Uh, 
So, so the verse that's there is kind of small. Put your reading glasses on. It talks about the purpose of the word of God. And he actually likens it to rain. Now, we got a little bit of rain. Okay, we got a whole lot of rain. And we got some sunshine the past couple of days. So if you have a lawn, you were mad because your grass was underwater last week. But this week you mad because, well, your grass is up to your knee. And you're going to have to cut it. So the whole purpose of that rain is to water the earth, create growth. We talked last year about up, down, all around. That's coming back. So, you know, up, down, all around. That water goes down there, feeds that plant, and it creates a, a growth pattern for it. That's what it's supposed to do, just like the word of God. You mean the stuff in the Bible is supposed to make me grow, even if it makes me feel low at first? Even if I feel like I may be drowning because it's too much, I can't take it all in? That what it's actually doing is making me a stronger swimmer? Oh, all I got to keep doing is keep going. So I like that verse. Keep that in mind as we go through it. Some of this stuff, it may feel uncomfortable for you. Some of it, well, honestly, you didn't even get put, give it to yourself. Got it from your mama or your daddy or your Aunt Beulah or Cousin Luther or whoever you got it from. Who in the world ever said God don't like rich people? I'm going to help you out right now. Richest person to ever live in the history of the world was King Solomon. I want you to understand something. To become king, you had to be born a king, right? Had to be born into that bloodline. Or through a, 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 or an anointing that came from the people, boom, you had to anoint your head with oil and be declared king. Solomon was born into the, uh, into the royalty. He was born a prince, okay? Prince Solomon. Because his dad was a guy named King David. King David was pretty important. He was a pretty big deal. He was kind of paid, right? He was rich. Let's be honest. Solomon became richer. Not because he was chasing money, but because if you go look at his prayer, he said, God... Grant me wisdom. He didn't say, no, wait, 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 church people. I'm about to kick over a whole lot of teaching for you for a long time. We have learned that God, Solomon went to God and asked for wisdom. No, he didn't. God, Solomon went to God and asked for wisdom to lead God's great multitude. It wasn't the wisdom that Solomon was after. He was after the leading of God's multitude. That's the important part. So when Pastor Edwin stands up here and says, hey, God doesn't have a problem with you having money. He has a problem with money having you. It's the same principle. You can get as much money as you want as long as you're looking to do what God would have you to do with it. That does not mean you have to live in poverty and give all alms to all people who are in need. Some people have different gifts. I think that's in the Bible, too, about all of us being given different gifts. Some of us, our jobs, our whole purpose is to go out and farm. We are there to create and develop and grow the crop and make sure the crop prospers. Some of us are there to go out and harvest. Oh, what? What? You mean we ain't all supposed to do the same thing? Think back a couple of sessions ago. Put a racehorse up, put a sled dog up. They both run races. They both win races. But you can't interchange them, and it's when you interchange people that's when you start having problems. You start looking at what Tina and them doing and talking about, ooh, I want my kid to be good at sports. You ain't even got kids! <laughs> now, let me be very clear. You can learn from other people. Learn, watch to learn. Y'all remember taking tests in school you be taking? And you kind of look over? 
when you look over, you kind of do that short look over. You're just not really, you're not really looking. You're just kind of seeing where the other people are. Make sure you kind of own kind of. That's okay. When you do this, that's when you have a problem. I proctored a few tests when I was in uh, at the University of Texas, and I watched. And people would do this. That's what we normally do. I do. I did. Still do it now. I'm just what are you at? Okay, cool. There was this guy. Y'all do not laugh. I'm telling y'all right now. I know y'all don't laugh. Do not laugh, because y'all ain't right that you laugh. So I'm in a Spanish exam. We're looking, it's an AP Spanish exam. They're looking to take this test to get college credit for their knowledge of Spanish, okay? And I'm sitting there at the back, and I see this kid, he got on a hoodie. He's like, Jim ducked his head down a little low. He moves his hands. His head come up, and I see him right answer. So I moved. I've been black my whole life, so I know what's going on. So I moved to a different place, but he wasn't paying attention to me because I had a good angle on him. And I watched him, and I could see his hands. They were under the table, and I see him reaching his sweatshirt, and he pulled out a little piece of paper. Like right there. So I go tell the lead, and I say, hey, that's sure enough, she sees him do it too. I said, okay. So they go get him, take him to the side, pull out. Sure enough, he had a little cheat sheet. He was trying to cheat on this Spanish exam. Interesting thing. He was an international student. So that means cheating on an exam, he can get kicked out of school. He gone. Lose a visa, all that stuff. He can lose all of that for cheating on this exam. What country do you think this kid was from? He's from China. I told you don't think, don't you lie. So I got a Chinese kid taking an AP Spanish test and cheating. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to let this guy slide? But, did that mean I have to go out there and embarrass him? Yeah. You can teach lessons without embarrassing people. The fact of the matter is, some of you haven't even thought about taking care of your money. I've been doing this, jumping up and down, staying up long nights, making sure these presentations are pretty. We haven't, and I'm not mad. I get it. I don't expect you all to do it, because frankly, we have to be in a place where you're receptive, right? The whole thing people talk about, oh, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. The fact of the matter is, if you're not receptive, it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't. I can say it. I can come to your house and scream it at you every single day. Anybody who has a kid and the kid won't do the thing that you've been saying for the last 1,700,000 years and you just almost screamed your head off, because, boy, just pick up the shirt! Clean up your room! Why you don't listen? Ah! You call your friend, what in the world is wrong with my kid? Go to the doctor, what's wrong with your pick up the shirt? Yeah. Fact of the matter is, that yeah, kid's not receptive. And if it's a boy child, wait till you start liking girls, and a, and a girl visits his house, and oh, it'll be clean. Shoot, Tavia coming over. Let me make sure everything clean. Shoot, that. Why y'all laughing? Why y'all? What's funny? Y'all funny. So, so, so. All right, now jump on down to slide six. Y'all might see something that you recognize. Don't laugh just yet. I'll tell you about it. How you live your life. Kind of the first picture there is some stones kind of stacked up on one end. They kind of offset in a big stone at the end. Right? You take a couple of little wins here, play for a big one down there. Right? I kind of do this. I'll typically, like, take less right now so I can do more later on. So I can drive my old car right now because, well, oh, I guess I didn't ask you guys to do this. We'll do a cost of ownership uh, analysis on one of these. I, I remember that. 
the fact of the matter is Americans are spending eight, nine hundred dollars a month on cars, not just on the payments. On things like additional insurance, because, well, you tried to get the luxury thing and that costs a little more. Oh, you wanted to get the special, special, special wheels, even though nobody can tell. <laughs> different. You didn't go in and negotiate. You didn't, you didn't do your homework. You didn't understand that, right? So we're spending hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Well, I didn't like doing that, so I kept my old car. But I did that because, well, I'm kind of a car junkie. And there are several out there that I really, really like. And if you ever want to talk about them, we can, and I promise you, it's more than you want to hear about. But I want to get those. So I'm willing to take a little bit less sauce up now so I can get my big steak at the end. That's just me. You don't have to be like that. That's just me. Um, the next picture there. Anything uh, look interesting there about it? No? Kind of a man, little man carrying a little calf, little-sized man carrying a middle-sized calf, big man carrying a big calf. Some of us lead our lives that way. I'm going to do this real, 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 real good. I'm going to be good at this one thing. Then once I get real good at it, I'm going to progress to the next thing. I'm going to get real, real good at that, and I'm going to get real, real, and then I'm going to progress to this, and I'll keep staying in the same thing. That's okay. They call those in corporate America subject matter experts. That's what they call them, SMEs. These are the people who Baptist born, Baptist bred, and when they die, they will be Baptist. It's okay. You can do that, right? It's about the progression, though, for you. You want to stay in what you're doing. Maybe it's computer science. Maybe it's math. Maybe you really like English literature from 1874 to 1900, and that's all. That's your thing. Cool. Do it. But understand who you are. Who you are. Next picture. Got the impressions. That's the impressions. Some of y'all don't know. They had the song. It said, keep on pushing. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Can't stop now. Move up a little higher. Somehow. I've got my strength, it don't make sense not to keep on pushing now. That's what you want to do. That's how you want to live your life. You just want to keep pushing the same stone over and over. You got Fred, like Fred Flintstone, George Jetson, push that button, push that button. Nothing wrong with it. That's what you do. You just keep pushing that same thing. And you're just going to gradually move up. That's okay. Understand who you are. Some of you, like the last picture, all my life I had to fight. And that's how you lead your life. You went from fighting to get out to fighting to get in. And then, holy smokes, somebody kicked you. And you were like, wait, wait, are we using feet now? We using our feet in the fight? Hold on, I, I don't know that skill. See, here's something interesting. In, in, in the Hebrew, uh, um, see if I can get this right. Yea, brethren, even now I beseecheth thee, maintaineth thine own path, even until the end. In the message version, it says, stay in your lane. That's not in the Bible, that's just me. Stay in your lane. All of these are valid ways to go about it, and truthfully, there are more ways to do it than I've put in the, in the slide. There are different ways to lead your life. They're valid, but stay in your lane. You have to stick to what you are built to do because in the kingdom of heaven, ladies and gentlemen, there's a harvest. And everybody has a different role. Some people crush the grain. I told you about my good buddy Phil. He drives a combine, a big old combine. 
what in the world it look like if the truck driver who's emptying the combine all decided to drive the combine and don't know how? Instead of straightening it out. That's what happens. In our corporate lives, when the finance people go fooling with the marketing people and trying to do their job, everything falls apart. When the salespeople start trying to fool with the strategy people, everything falls apart. But when you stay in your lane, everybody does well. Kedrin, come on up, man. Come on, come on, come on. It's Kedrin. Y'all know Kedrin? Give him a round of applause. Kedrin, Kedrin. Big Swolisticus. Don't worry, dog. We ain't going to make you do nothing back. So Kedrin and I played on the same, on the same flag football team for a long time. Uh, Kedrin has seen me at my best and my really best. Um, and by really best, I mean not best. Kedrin like to play safety, corner, and we play receiver together. I can tell you right now, I haven't played with Kedra in two years. I can step on the field right now with Kedra, we're going to kill it. Period. I trust him. I know what he's going to do. He's going to stay in his lane. On the defensive side of the ball, I played linebacker. He would play safety. Sometimes we leak over the corner. But if I knew Kedra was behind me, it was over. Your offense was about to get blown up. Why? Because I know that if I fail, when I go jump this ball, Kedrian is backing me up. And I had absolute trust that Kedrian was going to stay in his lane and do what he's supposed to do. We run a route. We decide on one word who was going to do what. Quarterback call, ins and outs. Cool. I look at him. Under. Okay, cool. We know, that's all he say, under or over. And we knew where we were going. So we line up. You line up. You're under. Cool. Pow. <laughs> Pow. He's under. I'm over. We did this all the time. It was absolute trust. Now, I know we like sports. Thank you, sir. I know we like sports, but this same lesson applies to us in our own lives. You sitting here looking at what Jimmy and Angel doing, talking about, ooh, just like chicken to me. That ain't got nothing to do with this. I just like that. Uh, but you looking at what Jimmy and Angel are doing, and you're like, ooh, I want to do that. You're not built like Jimmy and Angel. And I'm not talking physically, I'm talking mentally, I'm talking emotionally, I'm talking experientially, I'm talking intellectually. You're not built that same way. You're not. So why in the world are you over here breaking yourself all up? If you were all my life, I got to fight kind of person. Don't try to plant daisies. It's going to work out bad for you. Right? Sophia, Sophia, Sophia. But I will tell you something. And here's a problem that a lot of us face. We experienced some circumstances, okay? Whatever those circumstances were. And those circumstances created our approach to those circumstances. Kind of like the perspective. We'll use perspective. Then we moved to a place where the experiences and the circumstances were different. But we did not change our perspective and our approach. So what we find is ourselves grinding and gritting and having a difficult time when different managers or different bosses or different jobs or different roles or when we're around those people, not these people. It's not because those people are wrong and you're right. It's because, well, you're trying to use your approach that was developed in these circumstances in a different environment. That racehorse trying to go run the Iditarod in a whole bunch of snow. If that racehorse tried to do it the same way, he's going to have a bad day, right? That's what you're doing. So, I'm going to give you two punchlines right here. First one, when your circumstances change, be aware. Be aware, okay? Be aware that you're facing something new. And be open to adding 
to your perspective. I'm not saying change. I'm not telling you to change. Stay with it, but add to it. See, if you're a parent and you are still parenting the exact same way your parents did, you are messing up. Hold on, understand. I'm not suggesting that your mama and daddy and them were wrong. I'm saying that your circumstances are different. I guarantee you, your parents did not have to worry about some boy sending you pictures of his intimate parts at 3 a.m. on a phone that the parents didn't even know you had. But your kids do. And unfortunately, they start early. Holy smokes. Nine years old, sending pictures. What in the world? In the world? You don't even know what a bathroom is, right? You're trying to show stuff that you use in the bathroom. So you have to not stick to what your parents taught you. You got to add to. You take those same principles. Second punchline, the fundamental principles underlying success are universal. If you ask any professional athlete what it took to get to the top, to extreme perseverance, I had to work hard. You ask any top executive what it took to get to the top. Well, worked hard, kept my head down, made sure I improved skills. You ask a top ballerina, you ask a top swimmer, you ask, name something, snowmobile driver, I don't know, you pick something. It's the exact same formula. So when you hear Jimmy talk about his perspective, or from his perspective, it's the same thing that I talk about. It's the same thing that Pastor Strickland talks about, Strickland's talk about. The success formula always works the same. Here, crazy example. You can just hope, hope you stick. People who are born, there's all of us, you are considered healthy and normal if you have two feet, five toes on it, right? Five toes. Each foot has the exact same bone structure. One may be a little bit bigger than the other, but they're, they're the same. They're the same size feet, right? Same. Interestingly enough, your feet are not the exact same, though. You don't believe me? Do this. On the right side of your right foot, what toe is there? Speak up. It's okay. It's not a trick question. I promise. It's okay. I hope y'all know this. If not, we got to back up a little further. Pinky toe. On the right side of your left foot, which toe is there? They are not the exact same. They are mirror images of each other. Why? Because although they perform similar functions, they do not perform the exact same function. Kind of weird, right? It's like, what you talking about? It's a feet, it's feet, it's feet. If your big toes were both on the same side, you would be more stable going this way. This way, you'd be less stable when you fall over. But because they're centered, you are more stable along the central axis. Right here. And in fact, it is so important to your body to be stable along a central axis that your muscles work in pairs, even if you don't know. When you walk, you don't believe me? Do this. Left foot, step forward. But before you step forward, put your right hand on your lower back right here. Boop. Take a step. Bow. The lower portion of your back will actually contract because your body is seeking to keep itself upright along the central axis. And it will always do this. You don't believe me? Pastor Sean, can I borrow your purse right there? Don't worry, I'm not going to reach in. Ladies, you walk around for four 
448,000 days of your life with a 10-pound load <laughs> on one side of your body. How many of you walk like this? Anybody? No, you walk straight up, right? You walk standing straight up. Why? Because all of this stuff contracts to hold your body up. So when you're 73 years old and you go to the doctor and you're like, oh, my lower back hurts, and the doctor doesn't look at you and say, says something like, oh, you have sciatica. You may have sciatica, but more likely you have persatica. <laughs> because what has happened is this side of your body, these muscles have become stressed to the point over the last 50 years of you lugging around 10 pounds on one side that they become distended and they're injured. The way to fix it is not to give yourself injections for sciatica. The way to fix it is to improve your muscle structure. That's what you do. So, what in the world does this have to do with anything related to money? Because y'all looking at me crazy because y'all still haven't got it. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to balance. We have to balance. And when our life gets way out of balance on one side, something else has to give. I don't care how much money you have, when you get all out of whack in one area, something else is giving. In a relationship, long-term relationship, any successful long-term relationship, at any point in time, one person could be a taker, and one person could be a giver, right? And those roles change different times, different seasons. You going back to school, okay, so your spouse needs to pick up a few more home responsibilities. Okay, cool. You injured your fill in the blank, so your spouse needs to pick up those responsibilities. Your spouse has a business trip. You need to do a little bit more. It's giving and take. Over time, they kind of net out, though, right? And it's because we flex and we give. That's what happens. So with our money, it's the same thing. We have to give and take. I'm not suggesting that you are in a place of lack. What I am suggesting is that as you grow, you can add to and flex a little bit. Stick to your principles. Stick to your fundamental principles. Those things that are most important to you, right? Whatever they are, stick to them. But be ready to flex and add to. Because sometimes you'll find that the way Big Mama was cooking greens Ain't all that healthy, but they taste good. But you know what? If I take that smoked meat out and I put in some of these herbs and spices, I can get some real, real, real good flavor on these things. <gasps> what? You mean, you mean I can make macaroni and cheese that I don't have to have a bed after I eat? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You mean, you mean, you mean, I don't have to go to work every day and I can make more money? Yeah! <laughs> yeah, you can do that. Yeah. Get around people. We said, where's, I don't even know where Jimmy is. Jimmy, we did a, we did a, a, a diaper daddy day at Dominion for Jimmy because, well, Germany is coming and they there and his baby was going to be great. And we all got together with Jimmy. We sat around talking for about an hour and a half, two hours. In that time, we structured up three businesses, all multi-million dollar. It wasn't even intentional. We did it on accident. Ladies and gentlemen, your grandparents were educated at whatever level they were educated. For many of us, we have more education. Why in the world are you still treating your money the same way your grandparents did? Why in the world your paycheck now annually is greater than the cost of their house? Why in the world are you trying to use them same things? I'm not telling you that you shouldn't stick to the fundamentals. I'm telling you, in fact, you should. But the fact of the matter is, and the research shows, Dr. Elizabeth Warren and her uh, 
2003 book talking about bankruptcy amongst the middle class. The research shows we're not sticking to the fundamental principles. You got a 3,200 square foot home and you live oh, Your friends say, ooh, I like your crown molding. Go to your grandparents' house, they have crown molding? Nope. That first house ain't had no crown molding. You got 3,200 square feet, they had nine. And they were like, yo, this is big! We raised nine kids at 900 square feet, everybody had 100 square feet, ooh! You in here turning flips in your house because it not having to hit a wall, a ceiling, a light fixture. You ain't even hitting furniture because the fact of the matter is you spend all your money on the house and none on the furniture, so you ain't got to hit the furniture. But that's a whole other subject. We'll get on that a different day. Uh, but here it is. Here it is. You got this big old house. So what Dr. Warren, oh, by the way, if you didn't know Elizabeth Warren before she got into the whole politics thing, she's a, a legal professor at Harvard. I think it's Harvard. Princeton? Harvard, right? She wrote a book. And it was about economics and about bankruptcy amongst the middle class. She looked at our grandparents, and what she found is that their savings rate was way high, way high. She looked at our savings rate, and guess where ours is? Way low. In the past 15 years, the United States as a whole has had at least two, I think three, years of negative savings. That means as an entire country, not including the government, just the people, managed to spend more money than we made the whole country, that's insane. You will not get there from here, I promise you. There is no way. Japan, annual savings rate is over 20%. Holy smokes, they actually save so much money that their economy has shut down almost because people aren't investing and creating and buying and keeping the economy moving. Two-thirds of the United States economy today depends on you and you and you and even you spending your money. Two-thirds. What does that mean? Get on the other side of it and you will be the one collecting the money. In Japan, they have a different problem. Again, their savings rates through the roof. What we found, and what Dr. Warren talks about, is that the way our grandparents handled their money and allocated their money caused them to not experience as many of the financial hardships. Now you say, ooh, but my grandmama never got to go to, fill in the blank. My grandmama never got a chance to buy a, fill in the blank. Did your grandmama spend a whole lot of days sitting there sad with her face all twisted up like you do because you can't go? The difference is she saved her money so when she passed away, she actually had the money to use to do those things. Why grandmama didn't go? She had all the money. You spent all the money so you don't even have the option if you want to to be able to say, you know what? I'm going to go on treat myself. And what's happening is the middle class filing bankruptcy all over the place because they are trying to live like rich people. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, you got leather seats in your car. That was what rich people had in their cars. You couldn't get a car with leather seats unless you got yourself a cow and made it yourself. You have a, I got some, I, got, I have a old boss. She did really well for herself. She was earning very considerable money and her daughter turned 16. So. She gave, they had saved the car, and she gave her daughter the car that she had had, the Honda, Honda Accord. Her daughter was like, mm, I don't know if I want this mama. Uh, she was like, what, what's wrong with you? Well, it's not me. She's like, what are you talking about? The car has sunroof, has leather seats, power, everything, premium sound system, everything. She's like, well, she said, what's wrong with you? What do you think? I just think I can afford it. Mama say, 
Do you know when the first time I bought a car that had those features was? Daughter said no. She said, that car! <laughs> this, this is a woman who makes millions of dollars of ye a year, and here she is telling her child that this is the first time she had all this. Now, you go down to any dealership, high, low, anywhere, you go down, I want it fully optioned up. It got leather, you got leather on the floor. You know where you need alligator leather on the floor? What are you talking about? What? Why? Because we want to live higher than we are so that we can try to impress people. Crown molding. What does crown molding do for you in your house? Give you something else to dust and clean and paint? When was the last time you paid attention to your crown molding? It, it finishes the room. Right. Finishes the room. You know who says that? People trying to sell you crown molding. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that it doesn't look pretty. It absolutely looks. Hey, don't get me wrong. It looks pretty. But paying $10,000 extra on your house to get some crown molding? Now, I'm going to mess with you a little bit. How much money did you spend on your mattress? You had to tell me. Just think about it. You spend one-third of your life sleeping on that thing, and you wake up talking about, oh, because you tried to go cheap on a mattress, but you got crown molding. <laughs> so all your days are jacked up. You coming out limping with a bad back because your mattress is jacked up, but you got crown molding. Grandma and grandpa, grandma and grandpa had a good mattress. You know how you know it was a good mattress? Because every one of you in here, when they wasn't in there, ah, you went and jumped on it. Tell me you didn't. Tell me you didn't. If you, if you say you didn't, you, uh, you went and jumped on your grandparents' bed. That's what you did, right? Or you slept on it. You go in there, get on the bed, you just lay across it, and you fall asleep. You, that's just what happened, right? But they bought things that meant something. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for us to adjust our perspective. If you didn't realize yet, I'm leaning heavily today on perspective. We have to, because our perspective, if you look at the bottom of that slide, it inform. well, you can't really see it unless you get the good eyes. Uh, it inform our perspectives inform our options. Our left foot takes the step, and that opens the way for our right foot to step. You know what happens if you try to take a step with your right foot without using your left foot? One of two things. You fall down on your left side, or you hop. And guess what happens? Anybody who's ever had a leg injury knows this. You walk around, you limp. And your other leg, your strong leg, gets tired. And it starts to hurt. Why? Because it's now being forced to bear the burden of both sides. Because you got an injury. Don't have self-inflicted injuries. Self-inflicted injuries. Well, I'm making $45,000 a year, so I need myself a status symbol. Let me go get this new BMW. Oh, it's only $55,000. How much y'all pay? Okay, cool. I'll take it. You make 45 racks a year. What you talking about? Wrong with you. Wrong with you, Smalls. Shoot. Perspectives inform options, but it's circular because those options inform our perspectives. There's this story in the Bible that Pastor Sean likes to use about this woman, and she went to this well because she was going to get some water, and this guy asked her for some water, and she said, what you doing? She said, I'm about to make a bed and, and die with my boy. And he was like, man, stop tripping. Come on here. Let's go get this. Go out there and give me some jars. We're going to fill them up, right? That's not exactly how I said it. That's just my, you can go get the official King James Version. If you want. Um, but in that, two things stuck out to me. The first one, the human body can survive like three, four, five weeks without food. How in the world are you about to eat a biscuit and die? You got a jacked up perspective, that's why. You are not thinking about, oh, this may be the last meal I have right now. 
Let me go get another one. You ain't thinking like a hunter, because I promise you, let there not be meat. Boy, I will, boy, I promise you. <laughs> We're going to eat, period. Second thing, because her perspective was jacked up, the options she saw available to herself were wrong. She believed her only option was to die. The reality was there were all these empty pots everywhere. Remember, when you go read the story, if you haven't, go read it. If you have, remember in that story, they, he didn't ask her to go get some new pots. He didn't say, hey, go it's thou now to thine uh, potter over on Central and buyeth me many, many pots. He didn't say that. He said, go find all the empty ones that you don't want. This is the junk that people done cast off. She picking up cans. Went back and created, because his perspective was different than hers, a business that not only fed her, but created income perpetually. Perpetually means forever. That means a long time. It means to keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. What's wrong with your perspective? Is your perspective right? <gasps> what is your perspective? Well, I can't do that. Why? Because I'm a woman. What? Slap yourself and come back to reality. You can. I got a problem with Y'all heard me say this plenty of times. I have a serious problem with people who tell little girls they can't do math. I got a serious problem with that. There is nothing different in that young lady's mind than there is in a boy's mind. Yo jacked up way. Actually, here, before I get too mad, I'm going to just end it with this. There's a saying. You can't keep teaching old dog new tricks. And most people assume that the problem is the old dog. What if you look at it differently from a different perspective? Because I guarantee you that dog is like, you can't teach me new tricks. He can. She can. You are the problem. <gasps> your perspectives inform your options, inform your perspectives, 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 inform your options. It's circular, it keeps happening. When you change your perspective, you change what becomes available to you. We have this thing in this church, we do these confessionals. And they're very, very important. Because in those, left foot, we say, I won't do this. It is very important to have the next foot. Remember what we said about on one foot hopping or falling over. We have to say, I will do this. That's biblical. There's this story that talks about, hey, uh, you, you go in and you push the spirit out. The spirit leaves, goes get some of his homeboys. He comes back to the house and if the house isn't swept clean, he comes back into the house and he makes it even worse than it was before. If you don't replace what you won't do with what you will do, you will find yourself in a worse position than you were to start with because your behavior hasn't changed. If you know somebody who's been to rehab, this is why they relapse. They go back into the exact same behavior. So now, every time you went to the club, you had to have yourself at three, at least three crown and cokes with a cranberry on top, and then you had to smoke two cigarettes. Well, you said you stopped drinking, you got saved. And then you kept going back to the club, and you wonder why you're still drinking crown and cokes with the cranberry on top. You didn't change anything. Anybody ever drive their car home and get home and be like, hmm, where did I, I get here? I don't remember that. You people who text while driving. You be texting, and the next thing you know, you three miles away from where you thought you were. Uh-oh. Why? What's happening? You're not keeping your head on the swivel. You're not looking. You're not staying informed. You have got, allowed yourself to lapse into a behavior that is, that is comfortable as opposed to continuing to push beyond. Any questions? Flip that page. 
Next up, we saw this slide. It's uh, two consecutive presidents of the United States. Y'all okay? Y'all got this? Does this making sense? Or am I just yelling? It's okay if I'm just yelling. You can tell me. I am just yelling, but I want it to make sense too. So it's a Cobb-Douglas formula. We talked about it in our last session. Y equals A times L to the alpha times K to the beta. Right now, if you are afraid of math, stop. Grab yourself, hug yourself, tell yourself you can do this. This is third grade math, I promise. It's nothing more than multiplication. That's all it is. One times two, you can do it, I promise. A is your labor productivity. It's your skill at delivering higher value. Think back a couple of slides. How do you approach life? Are you a little bit here and a little bit there? Are you a person who just keeps on going in the same path? How you approach it is your productivity. L is the amount of labor that you are willing to supply. Okay, there's a little, uh, little Greek symbol up there. I think that's the alpha right there. Don't worry about that part too much. It just means your elasticity. Are you willing to supply more or less at a given rate based on the number of hours you work? So if you work in 12-hour shifts and they come to you and they say, hey, we'll pay you an extra 15 cents to work 13 hours, your decision might be a little different than somebody who says, hey, you may whatever, 12 hours, we'll pay you triple that for another hour. Might make a little different decision. That's what the alpha seeks to uh, capture. The K is capital. That is things like computers, like buildings, like roads, all of this stuff, okay? Told you last time that Cobb Douglas, uh, there are two economists, they created this thing back in the 20s, 1920s. Uh, they kind of uh, researched it and developed it over the course of 20 years, it was 1927 to 1947. This was the first economic formula or economic model that accurately predicted the US economy. And since then, it has been used in most uh, models that have come since. The most famous is one called the Solo Swan model, and we're gonna talk about that one in just a second. Don't worry, don't freak out. You don't have to know it. The reason those two presidents are at the bottom is because I want you to know something. And I told you this the last time. Neither one of them is in it. Their names are not in it anywhere. Neither one. So it doesn't matter who's there. Now, they can influence K. K is capital. There's a little beta next to it. That's, again, the same elasticity. It says whether or not you're gonna give more or take less. They can influence it through some of their policies. You cut corporation taxes to 15%, it's going to encourage companies to make more money, so it's probably better for you to own dividend-paying stocks, okay? Now, the other two, though, who's responsible for those? You can point at yourself, you can say I am, you can jump up and down and say me, 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 like that old mother, because right now, you can build your entire portion of the United States economy because you are in control of it. You decide what skills you add. You decide how proficient you are. You decide how long you're willing to work to create. You decide it. And go back to that thing I said about the success formula. I had to work. It didn't say just do stuff. I had to work with a purpose. I had to work with an outcome. I had to work with intentions. I had to work with a direction, an intended outcome that I am seeking to have happen. You control these, ladies and gentlemen. I control these. I control them for myself. A lot of us come from places, well, go on down, work at the post office. They'll get you a pension, you can retire from there. Nothing wrong with that. Because frankly, at that time, a lot of those people, that was their best option. I have a great uncle, he retired from the post office and yeah, he lived a comfortable life. But let's be honest, 
Many of us don't work at places that offer pensions. And let's be even more honest. A lot of those places that offer pensions during the recession had to restructure. And a whole lot of people who thought they had a whole lot of money found out that they didn't. Because here's this accounting rule. And don't worry about what the number is. It's, you know, that's not important. But there's an accounting rule, an accounting principle that says, um, and you can find this out, by the way. We're going to do this exercise uh, later on in the year. Uh, in fact, we'll do it on uh, July, July, the July session. Uh, you can find this out. There's this thing called, um, it's a liability on your accounting sheet. And you have provision for pension provision for return or for retirement. They call it different things, but it's pretty much we're setting aside money for y'all's future. Okay? Company sets it aside. There's a requirement in the accounting world that says they don't have to have that thing fully funded. Now, let's talk about what fully funded means. It means they take what your life expectancy is. I've talked to you before about actuaries. These people sit in rooms and they do really, really cool math and they don't talk to each other because they're socially awkward. Sorry, actuaries, y'all are. Um, they come up with tables that say you, based on this, are likely to have this outcome. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you like or don't like. You are more like the people who you think you're different than than you would ever imagine. In fact, we can look at your zip code. We can look at your level of education. And we can throw in, if we want to, a little bit of information about your income. And we can predict most of the stuff that you will do. That's scary. That means. You black people are more like the Asian people who live next door to you that you don't talk to because, ooh, I ain't fooling with them. My grandmama said I shouldn't fool with them. Then you are the black people who live across town. It's the reason why so many of us go back home and people are like, ooh, you changed, you different. Guess what? You are. It doesn't mean you forgot the principles that got you there, but your life looked different. I got family I won't get in their car, not because I don't love them, not because they can't drive, not because they drive bad, but because I know that what they put in that car could jeopardize everything that I've worked my butt off to build. And I ain't going out like that. I got people I love in my life that I promise you I won't talk to. Not because I don't like them, not because I'm being snooty or uppity, but because I know I see what's going on with them and I don't like it and I got a problem with it. My grandfather little bit of insert. I have a cousin. One married a woman. The woman was special. She decided to go after my cousin's brother, my other cousin. Did some things, created some situations. Now we got Jerry Springer going on. My grandfather died. Another cousin on the other side. This woman tried to go after him at the same time. He blew up. He blew up. He absolutely went berserk. Went off. My granddaddy wouldn't allow this. You know why? Because Alton Hughes would have ended all of it. Those principles don't change. But Alton Hughes and his thoughts about, man, I just want a pickup truck. As beautiful as they are, I can't live my life like that. Because the fact of the matter is I don't live in Pittsburgh, Texas, with a population of just under 4,000. Okay? He made decisions about what to do at a manufacturing facility. I made decisions about to do, what to do with millions of dollars. It's not that my principles are wrong. It's not that they're wrong. They're just different. So, again, we have to think about, I won't do this. I won't do that. I won't do this. I won't do that. Jump to the next slide. The next one is just a reminder. It's just there. Take it. You can take a look at it when you have a chance. It is a reminder of what we talked about with Solomon and the transition from King David to King Solomon. Okay? So let's jump on down to the last one there on that page. 
we have three pieces broken out. Here now. These are simple. Budget. Save your money and invest. This is what we're talking about. This is the same stuff. I know it's manual. I know it's manual. But I promise you, if you take care of the manual, you don't have to worry as much about miracles. I promise. Okay? Let's take care of that. The next one. Talk about the hustle. Every day I'm... I know, I know. It's in there. You came out, see? That's why lyrics are important and beats are important. So, that everyday hustle. Are you, do you have an up-to-date resume? Do you know what needs to be on your resume? I don't know if y'all noticed, but there are companies here that help employ a whole lot of people that have been in, uh, disemploying people. They use cute words like impacted. You know what it all means? You don't work here no more. Don't come to me for another paycheck unless you find something else to do. That's what it all means. So if you're living, living, living on the edge and somebody takes away your next brick, you're going to have a problem taking that next step. Right? So let's think about that. Make sure we got a resume. Make sure we're prepared. Are you adding new skills? I asked a question last year. In fact, we were here. That was funny. We were at the Double Tree. I asked a question last year. If you got a degree, have you gone back to get additional education, additional training? Are you continuing to read about what's happening in your industry? Because I promise you, if you were a computer science major in 1983 and you try to bring 1983 teaching into 2017, well, you ain't going to make it very far. Make sense? It's funny, right? You look at this, you're like, man, that's dumb. Surgery, that makes sense, man, huh? What are you doing in your life? That's exactly the same thing. You learned about accounting in 1979. You ain't been to none of your CPE. You ain't been past none now. You learned how to run that, run that one machine back in 84, and you haven't learned anything else, and now they're getting ready to get rid of the machine. So what does that mean for you? What does that mean for you? I'm not suggesting you have to try to get to be the CEO. Everybody isn't built for that. Everybody isn't made for that. Everybody doesn't want that. And the fact of the matter is, the reason those people say things like, you have to love your job is because their job is their life. Everybody they know, the place they live, the way they sleep, the things they eat are dictated by their jobs. You go ask Doug McMillan. Some of y'all don't know this. Doug McMillan and his family, they play a basketball game every Sunday at their house. He ain't always there. So he might have to miss out on some of them performances. I think it's beautiful that, that Tina and Spark go to uh, support, support uh, Trinity in their volleyball. That's awesome. If Tina is the SVP of making a million dollars a year, she's gonna miss a few more of them games. So you need to figure out what your mix is. This is important because you have to make decisions. I know it looks cute, I know it looks good, but you know what, I found this out. I had this guy, I worked at the company, the CEO of North America, this dude had his Ferrari delivered to the, uh, the office, right? Had his Ferrari delivered to, no big deal, Ferrari does this all over the place. The Ferrari dealership is actually right down the street. It's less than five minutes down the street, but he had him deliver it. He had him deliver it two months after he had just laid off a few thousand people. Bad, bad, bad optics. Not cool. Yes, he made the money, but dude, come on. Fix yourself, right? Fix yourself. So I figured out, though, the reason he did that was because his life was consumed with being CEO. So when he wanted to get his Ferrari, all he got to do was drive it home. So oftentimes, you can go look on any of the websites and try to look at a used Ferrari or a used Lamborghini or whatever your thing is. You will see those things have very, very few miles. Because the people who buy them, it's not because, oh, it's a collector. No, 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 no. It's because they don't have time to drive them. They're busy working. Keep that in mind. Last one is the horizon. Mr. Brian, best Emmanuel, driver of all things artistical, singing, and painting, he works on the insurance side of the house. 
talk to him. Even if you think you have it all together, ask him what options are out there. He can help you. Talk to some of our people. If you're having psychological issues and challenges, talk to Nitra. Even if she doesn't do it herself, she can point you in the right direction. You need some help with money? I'll let you, boy. I'll point you in the right direction. Give me time. You want to learn something about teaching? Well, we got students are teaching. We got teachers are teaching. We got some people who can help. You want to learn about training? You want to learn how to fix your marriage and stay together a long, 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 long time? I guarantee you, though, the challenges that the Youngs face are not the same as the challenges that the Smiths face. Sure, the lessons transfer, but they're not the same. You got a couple of years right there on you. Oh, you can fix it. We can get there. But ladies and gentlemen, let's think about it in a simple way. These are big things, but if we break them down to what they simply are, we can do it. Adjust your perspective on these things, and we can get there. Turn the page. At the top, this is just a review of what we talked about last time. 10% challenge, or the 20% challenge, what is it? 10% ties, 10% uh, savings. That's it. That's it. What's our strategy through this thing? It hasn't changed since last year. It's not going to change next year. Spoiler alert. Eliminate or minimize those anchors. We want to proceed on priority. And we want to enable opportunism. We won't do them all at the same time. Some people are going to do this. Some people are going to do that. But they're going to be there. And then our goals. What are they? You can read them right there. Say them. Say them to me. What are our goals for this year? We did it last year. Let's do it again. What's next? Side hustle. Look, people go in debt because of Christmas. Let's not go in debt. Let's figure out a way for these next eight months to save some money so we don't have to go in debt and bury ourselves for Christmas. What's number three? Register them. I didn't say you had to go build it into an empire. Just register it. Cost you 20 bucks or something like that. What's number four? Save a million dollars. Holy smoke. Some of you have never been here. You're going, what in the world? Did, people do? did they just say the same million dollars? You daggone right I said that. Now, there are two things that are missing. Number one, who all is going to participate? And number two, how long is it going to take? It's going to take me by myself to save a million dollars a little bit longer than it would take 50 of us to save $20,000 each. Okay? So time piece, number of people. But let me be very, very, very clear, just in case I wasn't clear last time, because I want to make sure you understand, we are saving a million dollars. Are you going to be part of it? That's the only question. <laughs> it's going to happen. This is happening. I will do it by myself if I have to. And I don't mean that to say y'all can't come. I'm saying that I'm gone, and if y'all riding, y'all better get in. You know how your mama, when she say, y'all leaving in five minutes, in five minutes she be backing out? You better get your butt out there and get to this. What? Your money, not mine. That's it. That's all we're going to do this year. That's what we're working on. Let's jump to this last slide. This is your homework. I'll let you read it yourself. It's going to look real, 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 real familiar. But there are some questions in there that I want you to ask yourself. Remember, this year is about composition and activation. We are addressing the composition of our financial lives. How are we addressing them? Lift back up, because we are eliminating or minimizing the impact of anchors. We are proceeding on priority, and we are enabling opportunism. See, when you pay down your debt, your credit score goes up. And if your priority is to have lower expenses in your house, or in your, yeah, in your household, then when you go out shopping for your new house, when your credit score is high, your mortgage interest rate comes down, which means it leaves more money. When it leaves more money, that means you can now invest in things that you couldn't invest before. They all flow together. It's a left foot, right foot, left foot. This ain't hard, ladies and gentlemen. Let's do this. Y'all with me? Yeah. Stand to your feet.